Starting with episode 1011, the, the Twitch era of the Just Joshing podcast is officially over. We are now in the midst of a transformation to a travel show, the Twitch travel era. 1011 is my first travel show. Barb Sim is my guest, so it's going to be a variety of these things. Now, if you want to see all the travel episodes well before they ever come out as officially part of canon on the show, check out patreon.com slash justjoshingdogcast. Five bucks gets you access to all the interviews up there so far. There's a bunch of them up there that are going to be coming real soon. More are going up there right now, including SDCC. So if you are interested in supporting the podcast, the best way to do it, if you got a couple bucks, go to patreon.com slash justjoshingpodcast. Podcast at the age of 42 years old, my guest is uh, is the highly recommended Deborah <laughs> Dodgy. No, you were. You were recommended, oh, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh Jeez, my brain has completely been fried. Russell Nolte actually spoke very highly of you. Oh, thank you. That's very yes. nice to hear. Yeah. So we met like for like 10 seconds in San Diego. <laughs> That's true. At yes. San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah, we met for 10 seconds. So tell me a little about yourself. Um. Well, uh, I have a broken tooth, so please ignore the gap in my teeth. I have no teeth up here. Don't worry. We're, we're, we're yeah, we're, I got to get we're, an we're. implant done. Um, I'm Deborah Dottie. I used to write under Debbie Lynn Smith. I was a television writer for a number of years. I worked on um, Murder, She Wrote, Touched by an Angel, Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. And then I got sick and I couldn't do it anymore. So um, I switched to I was doing short stories, mostly in the horror uh genre okay uh i also wrote audio dramas for dark shadows um which was yes <laughs> it was so much fun <laughs> and then um and then i um had to have a double lung transplant so i didn't write for uh, a number of years while i was recovering and everything and now I'm back and I'm writing short stories and audio dramas again. And uh, that's really fun. And so audio, audio dramas are so cool because you get to play with sound. And it sounds like a really simple thing. But honestly, mm -hmm. it, it, it's, it's the heart and soul of a good audio drama, right? Is it's, it's almost like, uh, so I, I take it you love the old school films then once upon a time. If you I really do. love those old, yeah. So what happens there, folks, is see old school films had, I have a buddy of mine, he used to be a director. He he me to see some old stuff. He goes, what happened back in the old days was there was a language to cinema that they followed. And it works. It still works to this day. It's just, it's not used anymore. Anywhere to the nth degree, nth degree uh, it was in the past. So when you see it in a place you see it the most these days is audio dramas. They tend to actually follow a very old, cause you need that stuff in audio or it doesn't work at all. Right. So um, well, you're, you're, it's actually radio plays. I mean, yes. they're calling it audio dramas because we don't listen to the little radio anymore, you know? Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's actually radio plays. And so you have, I, it, it's amazing to me how popular they have become um, that people would like to listen to their dramas instead of watching them on TV, let's say, or something. It's, it's just really, especially horror. Because, because I, I, so I, I actually, I have a theory. 
this is it may sound like you're crazy Terry. let's see if you let's see if you think i'm on something or onto something here okay so i actually blame video games and here's why um video so television back like back it's we all know television is kind of on its decline simply because it's outside of sporting events nobody watches regular cable or television with any kind of regularity anymore there's a few exceptions to that but it doesn't uh it doesn't click the same way i think what i see for me i i, I know there are guys like me like when i do my my luxury time when i'm not creating which could be either um i have to read because it's part of what we do but what we do but That's also right. but okay what else do i want to do and I would rather, if I'm having us downtime, play a video game over over the television because it's much more mentally stimulating than a TV show can be. I think an audio drama, especially if, if for two parts, that for that reason, and also the fact that when I'm working on something, I don't necessarily have the luxury to watch something, mm. but I'm free to listen to something all the time. So that's why podcasts do well right now. It's because as a general rule of thumb, you have this luxury when you're doing a, a podcast to, you know, you, you can make it more about um, the hearing, the sound. Like this show is bare bones, crazy, just, just listening to random stuff and talking to people about anything. But if I were to do an audio drama, I mean, I would be thinking about sound effects and tension, mm -hmm. music, and People like those highs. You can you can you can listen to something and still work on something. But well, it's also, it was, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I, I have a big mouth. I my last thing I was going to say. <laughs> well, also, last, I just wanted to add that horror. Um, in horror, you can't rely on a cat jumping out of a closet to scare somebody. No. You know, you have to really work for. You know, uh, scares for making people disturbed. It really has to be character driven. Um, the sound is an important part of it for setting the mood and the scene and all of that kind of stuff. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, you can't not, television or movies rely a lot on visual because it's a visual medium. So that makes sense. But they started using it as a crutch, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, like, you could okay there are, okay i would say this straight up there's good movies there's good shows yes, there in every, every generation every generation of television has them but you can tell and i think it's become especially doing what we do it's more apparent when someone's cutting corners yes. right it's a lot more apparent when someone's cutting corners and again sometimes it's budget like so like sometimes like you understand why they're doing it but other times it's other times it's very much how it's very much a um i i do believe that there is a ton of people that are in the business that don't fully understand what the the again i'm not saying go back completely to the old ways but there were re like talk about making a cat jump and scare you right you can still create a spooky response with the cat mm -hmm. but you have to work but you have to work at it right you, you, you can't just you can't just uh you can do a lot with a little and i i look at something like you know um so i like again old stuff like alfred hitchcock did an awful lot with very 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 little and the reason he did is he un understood story 
he engaged with the readers or listeners or watchers imagination whenever he chose to do he deliberately made a conscious effort to do it this is why i say i'm going back to like the video game argument real quick video games although often don't necessarily have to be visually the most stimulating thing in the world to be a great game right so it does and because you're participating in the game you are forced to use your imagination a little bit to play it i that's where i think video games get the most reward and i think a typical television show the big obstacle they have to overcome is okay how do i engage with people's imagination today but i also would argue that a lot of television goes do they even think to do that <laughs> yeah you know i forgot to mention the most important thing, um, I own Chimera Press, which is a graphic novel publishing company. Um, and we um, we use women creators and artists and stuff. I wanted to give a platform for women um, in the comics industry. And um, I think that comics and graphic novels, um, even though they're a visual medium, they do like what you say. Um, they actually rely a lot less on writing um, you know, I tell people who come to me who want to write comics, you don't have to be a great writer, but you have to be a great storyteller. Yes. So your story has to be great and you have to be able to convey that to your artist. And so you're not like in a, a short story or even, you know, audio dramas and stuff. Audio drama is not so much, but anyway, you, you, really stop and choose your words. You really think about how the sentences go together and the rhythm of the paragraph and that sort of thing. And you don't do that in comics. You write, okay, this takes place in Victorian England. I would like the building to look like this and put in a link to the internet, things like that. But you have to be able to tell a good story and have good dialogue. So that art, it's the art that pulls you in and it's the art that is immersive in a, a graphic novel and that plays with your imagination, almost like you're watching a television show on paper. Well, okay, so comics are play with the illusion of motion. Yes, they do. That's mm -hmm. what they do. Like that's what that's what. So I would argue that the good writing in a comic is the people that understand. Okay, what's good here? that the audience is seeing. They're actually making a conscious decision. What is the audience seeing? What is the audience not seeing? Because that's going to create that illusion of the passage of time. But it's the co it's the collaboration between the artist and the writer that makes that happen. The writer, Absolutely. The writer has to be good enough that they can't put like two actions in one panel, <laughs> you know, um, because uh, one person can't do two things in one panel it's a static thing um yes so you know if you're going to have them walk across the room you know you you can't have them stop walk across the room stop and talk to somebody and then go to the closet in one panel you know you have to have that in two panels and so you do need to learn how to write that flow however it really is the artist who, who takes that and makes it flow that's right well, I, I, uh, the art, like I, I've said this before, and I say this with all due respect to even comic writers, like your illustrator or, or, or however you want to call it, pencil or inking team, pencil or colorist team, 
they're the ones that are make creating the tone and they're yes. creating and they're creating the tone and they are dictating the pace of the story based on what you give them. Mm-hmm. So sometimes like I, I talk about, I've mentioned this in other shows, finding the right hours to tell your story. That's important. What, it, what you're actually saying is not how pretty necessarily the pictures are. Now, some books require really pretty pictures, mm-hmm. but it's how that illustrator conveys the information or tells the story themselves. It's, and it's true. A, it, but still, the writer does tell oh, no. oh, the, tell I, the I, artist I, what I, they want. Oh, absolutely. I'm not, I like, again, dismissing the writer completely is also a false, is, is a terrible thing to do too. Because, but what, what I, what I notice is like, if I'm a writer, like when I'm looking at someone that draws, what I'm actually looking at is what do they do well? Right. Because, because it's not, again, it's not about how pretty the pictures are. That can definitely attract somebody to look at the book but if you're looking at telling a great story for a very long time you need an artist that not just draws well but can un- that understands there are some artists that are great cover artists they're not so great right. interior, interior artists exactly they ha- really have to understand sequential art um that's that's what it's you know that's whenever i go and i look at an artist i ask them are you an illustrator or are you a sequential artist? Um, because yeah. that tells me if they're an illustrator, that tells me that they haven't looked at sequential art. Um, yep. You know, and um, I might consider that artist for a cover, but I won't consider them for, you know, the um, inside of that. But, you know, when I'm looking for an artist, I'm looking for somebody who can get that flow of the story, who can get the, like, um, um, we have, uh, well, the first artist I ever worked with was Amelia Wu for the graphic novel that I write called Gates of Midnight. And um, I just loved her. I found her because I'm a big fan of Patricia Briggs and she did the um, was, uh, the, the inside art for Patricia Briggs graphic novel uh, for Mercy Thompson, which I'm a huge Mercy Thompson fan. And so... Um, when I, when I was looking for an artist to do Mary Shelley Presents, which is Mary Shelley and her monster introducing short stories from Victorian women horror writers, yeah. um, I, I I asked Amelia because I knew that she could handle the the darkness and yet the Victorian kind of feeling. And Nancy Holder, who writes uh, Mary Shelley Presents, loved her. Um, now Amelia does both the uh, pencils and the inks and usually I don't do that but I do that for her and then um, we had a a colorist from Ireland and uh, then we had you know our letterer who lives in Florida and we won a Bram Stoker award for that book nice yeah so you know it's uh, it's just really about who can handle the the tone, who can handle the flow, um, and who can give us the kind of art we're looking for. Yeah. I So I have used illustrators in graphic novel work a little bit. 
And mm-hmm. kind of like, like, like what I find is, so I'm actually working on a graphic novel. I'm not good enough. Oh, you are. Yeah. Oh, cool. uh, I, but I'm doing a homage to Ray Bradbury's Fahrenheit 451. Okay. Right. Cut That's out what there. I'm doing. Say it again. What? You cut out Sorry. there. Say it again. You're working I'm on doing a, a. I'm working on a graphic novel. It's a homage to Ray Bradbury's Fahrenheit 451. One of my favorite oh, cool. books. Okay. Right. But. I decided since I am, how do I put this? I would call myself at best confident in drawing. But as you so pointed out, right, it's not about how good you are visually, it's how well you tell a story. Yeah. Right. So I decided to do kind of a mixture between a prose book and an illustrated story. That's kind of oh, what I'm okay. doing. Oh. Yeah. So the comic pages, which aren't a ton of them, but there are a few, are actually based off Twitch streams. Okay. Because I, I thought make it easy for myself because I'm I'm lazy and stuff and and, and right is you're laughing already you're just like that that's funny right and uh, but no but like because I'm looking at the story I'm telling and and the story is about is instead of a, a the joy of reading it's this the reason why I'm drawing it is discovery of art I started drawing for just fun three, four years ago. I'm not going to pretend I'm good, exactly, but that's not really why I did it. I did it to have fun. But I'm like, the joy of discovery of art could be a really cool basis of a homage to a Ray Bradbury, like a classic Ray Bradbury mm-hmm. story, right? So that's what I'm doing. So there's a lot of just regular illustrations throughout the book instead of a typical comic. But it, it's, mm-hmm. it, serves, it serves two purposes. It's his discovery as an artist, but also, but also, it's because I'm not necessarily, again, it's knowing my own strengths and weaknesses, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I don't think, I, I am not anywhere close to ready to do a full-fledged, just sequential comic book story. I'm, I'm not there. And I know it. But I don't have to be. To no, you don't. That, uh, yeah, right? I don't have to be tell that story. You know, I, as long as you're having fun, I mean, I think that's, that's about all of this, all of the work that we do as writers. Um, I, I did a, um, a novella uh, for Moonstone uh, called, well, it's a Night Stalker. Do you remember Kolchak, the Night Stalker? Yes, I do, actually. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's a it's a Kolchak, the Night Stalker story. And I had so much fun because I loved that when I was growing up. I loved the Night Stalker. And I ended up working for Dan Curtis for a while who produced it. And um, so I... Turned that in. Uh, Joe really liked it. So he asked me to do this Night Stalker Sherlock Holmes crossover sequel to something that had already been published by Moonstone. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's so nice. much fun. That's what I love. Uh, you should love what you're doing. I. It's too hard if you don't love it. <laughs> oh, no. It, it's absolutely I putting a comic together is harder than putting together a novel i'm, I'm speaking from experience mm-hmm. you know, it, it, because because it requires like i think okay i will say this for television and films a good television and a good film is a bit of a miracle because it's, it's a combination of it's a combination of great creative and good people doing the show mm-hmm. and is there any amount of people required to do a television show or a movie that can be a very You'd have to be a good conductor to an orchestra to get a really good film. It, that's literally how I would equate that 
right? Because it's not just one piece, it's all of them working together to create to create a film. Comics, Very collaborative. Com Very collaborative. Comics, yes, absolutely. No, no, super collaborative. Comics are like, so if television is an orchestra, comics are a rock band. <laughs> right? That's what comics are. <laughs> You like the image. I can tell you. Like I do that like the image, yeah. Right? Comics are a rock band. It's a smaller group of people, but that doesn't make it any less difficult. It it, it 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 makes it in some ways more difficult. Like, not all of us are talented enough to do everything themselves, right? Um, not all of us are. But, but, but even so, even the ones that are super, super, super talented and say, I can do everything, still need an editor. Still need people that can look at their work critically and go this is awesome this sucks right right you need you need that every every creative person needs that because you know it's a shocker i know it's a shocker to me every time but my shit stinks i know it's shocking to some people to hear <laughs> it like that but it's true and i say it like that because um i want people to understand it's not that it's not that the work is terrible or the work that you just you need that you just need you need someone to help you separate the forest from the trees minimum but most of us have a writer most of us have a we'll say a penciler that's a classic term for it, a penciler a colorist inking is a inking is a bit of a mix these days it's not it's kind of been coloring has become more important in today's comics and inking a separate anchor you know, I, I I have to totally disagree because I think the inker really brings, um, and, and I think they get for, largely forgotten, they bring a very important aspect of shading and um, yeah. it, it, they play a lot with tone, you know, mm -hmm. with their shading and the way that they, it's not just about outlining, you know, it's, no, it's, not. it's a lot more than that. And, so, I mean, we have a, a wonderful inker that we use and um, we started with her and she has just grown and grown and grown. And that's exactly what I wanted to see. And she actually has her own um, comics now and everything. And I mean, she's just amazing. Yeah. That's Lori awesome. I'm not, oh, by the way, just, just for clarity. I'm not trying to belittle the inking role. I think I actually think that honestly, it, it's them and the letterers in comics that get the most, like the least amount of credit for what they do. That's right, true. For, right, but because a letterer, a good letterer, you never notice how good they are until like until there's something goes a until something goes awry or there's that right. rare exception where the lettering is an important part of the story, right? And 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 there are exceptions to that, but by and large, the letterer goes unnoticed. But what I mean by inking is I find that like a lot of traditional, like put an inker was traditionally used for say even 10 years ago versus what they're used for today. I'm not saying they're not used, but I, but I find that a lot of colorists also ink. And I also find that with the way like technology has evolved, right? It, it, it has allowed, it, it, it has, the inker has become somewhat sandwiched, all right, between penciling and coloring. Right. There's not there aren't very many or as many straight inking jobs anymore. I've noticed well, I that, you it know, it, it's always been hard to find inkers because they don't get paid as much. Yes. You know, 
uh, pencilers get paid a lot more than inkers do. Yeah. Um, you know, so and it's the same with letterers. Yes. You know, letter uh, letterists, uh, and and basically letterists. If you notice the lettering, um, they're not doing their job because you're you're the way you read a comic is you look at the art, and then your eyes just glance at the, the dialogue that's going on and stuff, but the story's being told in the, and I'm not a big fan of um, uh, sound effects. I, I don't like them at all, um, but my letterer has convinced me that she can do it. Uh, she can put in sound effects in a few places that need them without it looking hokey or things like that. So, oh, well. <laughs> Well, see, see, I, I, I'm a big fan of, see, I, I, yeah, there's a, there's a fine line with that because it's the tone of the story, right? I, if I, if I, it's really easy to use sound effects. Let's say that if I want, you know what I'm talking about? Like stories that are bad on purpose, right? Yes. Uh, right. Then I want all the sound effects. Give me all of the sound effects. It's going to be, it's going to be epically. Well, like Batman, the television show, how, you know, <laughs> Well, yeah, but, but I mean, you, again, this goes back to some text to what we were talking about earlier with horror, right? Yes. Sound effects in lots of places become very, 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 very hokey. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and yes, folks, I blame Batman, but it's actually, hey, folks, we are just going to say this here. It's Batman's motherfucking fault. I swear, by the way, on my show. And I love um, Batman. I still love to this day. I love Batman. Uh, yeah, yeah, but 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 that bastard ruined sand effects. <laughs> he did. He ruined them. Right, right. I, 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 and and don't get me wrong. Hey, listen. If I had to dress up, if I'm an actor, if I'm a production crew, having to dress up, I watch a dude dress up as a bat, and 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 Burt War kind of dress up as a mini Chippendale dancer and, and and you have all these classically and honestly you should look at that cast folks of the batman show right the all these guys are almost all of them are classically trained like epic actors in their own right like it's oh amazing you're right it, right this was their day job like this is the thing you got to understand about the batman show this was their day job because why it was regular work they got a paycheck on a regular basis to do it so they realized and they how, probably had a great time. Oh no, no, no! But see, here's why they had a great time. This is why they had a great time, right? They realized how absurd this whole thing was, right? So they're like, okay, I'm getting paid to do this. So let's have some fun. And all of them embrace that idea completely, right? <laughs> I you could tell like like certain bad guys in particular. I think I think I think the guy that ironically had the least fun was the Joker. And the reason why I say that. Because he had to be painted out of his face for freaking ever. I probably drove him a little nuts, right? But I mean, it would drive me nuts. I mean, I, to any actor, actress that has to sit on the chair for longer than two hours to get their makeup done, salute. You have my respect because that would drive me freaking crazy, right? I actually met him. Um, he was on a show called Jack's Place, and I, I was uh, working on Jack's Place, and I actually got to meet him, and it was like, so exciting i you know <laughs> i was yes. such a fangirl um but that that was truly exciting i think the only um and i i met um adam west um 
when I was a little girl. Um, he was in Ohio and my father was a police officer and a friend of his was doing security for him. And yep. so they let us come up and meet him and get his autograph and all that kind of stuff. And it was like, that was so exciting. Yeah, that's right. And honestly, no, it's cool when you get to do those opportunities do exist and they come in, they come unexpectedly and you can, you can make, make really cool moments. Right. So, I mean, it's I take it like memorable. both of them are really, I take it they both were nice. Oh, both of them were very nice. Yeah. 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 So here, here, here's the thing, right? So I, I'm like, these are currently people with a bizarre, like, let's be honest, a little bit of an unusual day job. Right. <laughs> And they, they looked at it and they said to themselves, what's going to happen? We're going to make this fun, right? We can do our serious shit somewhere else. So we're going to go here and we're going to just embrace the silly. And the thing is, you cringe at all that stuff. Some some of that stuff is like like pun level cringeworthy these days, right? Like like just terrible shit. But you, the, but every single person that was on that show had fun with whatever they did in it. And like we're gonna have we're again, some shows, some things are there don't necessarily exist to be good. They exist to be fun. And as long as you can feel that fun, right, people will enjoy it. Well that is, let's talk about Dark Shadows. I mean Dark yeah. Shadows, did you ever see Dark Shadows? Are you old enough to see Dark no. Shadows? I'm not I'm not I'm not quite old enough. I'm close. <laughs> yeah. So well, not quite Shadows, it, it started out in black and white. It had major actors in it and um, upcoming actors in it. Um, and and it, things would happen like, you know, part of the, um, the scenery would fall down or, you know, thing, flies would get in and people would be because it was shot live. Okay. And so you know, you watch it today and you laugh at it and that sort of thing, but not back then. You you didn't even notice those things back then. This was like, it was a revolutionary show, just like Batman was revolutionary show. Um, mm -hmm. And um, the first time you've seen anything like it, this was a daytime show. It had vampire on it. The vampire was only supposed to be on it, Barnabas Collins. Jonathan Freed for two episodes and he got so much fan mail that Dan kept him of course because that's what kept the show alive was this vampire and then of course Angelique Laura Parker yeah you know and then um David Selby who was the the um uh werewolf you know um I mean, there were just so many great actors, classically trained actors. And um, yeah, you might look at it today and kind of laugh with it, laugh at it because of the funny things that happened because it was being shot live. But it was revolutionary. And so was Batman. Batman was revolutionary. Nobody had seen anything like it. It was a comic book on TV. Yes, it was. And they tried to make it feel like a comic book on TV. That's right. That's why, that's why sound effects are ruined, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Damn Batman. Yes. Right? right. But, again, it changed the game. And and like I said, 
there is I would argue that even though in you got the animated series that everybody will looks at the 1960s Batman, anybody from any era who's seen it will look at it going, This is so bad. Why can't I get this out of my brain? And, and because it was fun. And that's the whole point. Like I, I'm not saying that like that that was my first impression of it. It's like this is terrible. This isn't taking comics yeah. seriously well, at all. You now know, that, you know, you weren't a kid at that time growing up exactly watching it. And I, I, uh, believe me, I mean, even today, I don't think it's bad. I just no, think it, it's it, it, I don't think it's bad. And wonderful and um it doesn't take itself seriously. But that, and this goes back to what somebody said earlier. Like that, that was when I first watched it. I realized it's actually, I, okay, I, I, how do I put this? I think it's fun. Mm -hmm. I, I, right, right. And because it's fun, it's good. Right. It knew exact, and that, and that, and that's the whole thing. Like once you realize as you, as I get older, slash wiser, question mark on the wiser, I don't. Some days I really wonder. And other days I'm like, I think I got this figured out. Right? I'm a lot more humble of what I think I can do in some ways. Some ways I, my ego's out of control. But that's, not, that's neither here nor there. Right? Um, but I, what I will say is like, you look at things a lot more differently as you get older. And you realize, like, what is the intention? And this is, I think, super important. What is the intention everybody set out to do with, with what they're building? Right? And again, these guys, I, and this is my theory, is they all made the decision. We're going to have fun doing this. We're not going to make. We're not going to take it too seriously. We're just going to have fun, and we'll come back every time we come work together. We'll come up with something equally stupid to do. And I say that like in the most fun way, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to go all in. We're going to go all in the whole time. Like, listen, I will never, I will never watch it out of my brain. For uh, uh, Adam West doing the bat two C, I don't I, know if if you can. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you can see back here, but this is a whole thing of all the different Catwomen. Uh, yes. There, <laughs> I was a huge Catwoman fan. Oh, she, she. I I mean, I, classic Catwoman's awesome. Like she, she. Like again, there are there are a few different ones, but each one was. But each one was like, we're gonna have fun. We are just yeah, gonna Julie Newmore. She to me was Catwoman. Yeah. Eartha Kitt was so sexy as well, you know. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that that that. I mean, let's be honest. That's part of the reason why she got hired. It's like you look great in that suit. It's like yes, yes, I do. But we're gonna have yeah. fun. You're yeah. gonna have fun. You know. But um, yeah, she she's an amazing actress. She's tall. You know, like Eartha Kitt. Eartha Kitt is just she just oozes sex. Yes. You know, I mean, it's just she's an amazing um, actress and singer. Yeah, and, and that's. And, and, I mean, and that was kind of revolutionary because she was a black woman. Yes. So I mean, there you go. Right. I mean, I mean, like they were they were doing things very quietly during that time, um, you know, and they were having again, and they were having fun doing it, and that was why it worked, <laughs> right? And also, by but that's why you hate sound effects. That's why you. Yes. Hate <laughs> that's why you hate them. See, that's why you hate them because see that damn Batman ruined them for you. So, so the slogan for the episode: Blame Batman. 
That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I blame Batman for everything. Anyways. Um, so how now, is it that you're old, old enough to do Batman? Did you just watch it? Well, no, because, because Maxwell, so this is, I am, I, I'm not old enough to do Batman, but here's the thing. Batman's in syndication a lot more than Dark Shadows is. And on top of that, so this is, this is how I'm old enough. I am old enough. When I lived in Detroit slash Redford, Michigan, I live in Canada right now, but my grandma's there. So I spent my summers at my grandmother's place. So she has, this is back in the day where we had four channels and also back in the day, right? Now here's something I think it's cool now. Like back then I was like, oh, this is so lame, but I think this is cool now. She still had one of those old black and white televisions that still worked that had those four channels. Like, and all of us that are old enough to remember this folks, like once upon a time, cable was like five or six channels at most, <laughs> right? Sometimes it was, most of the time it was four. But sometimes you get that fifth, you get a fifth channel, you get that sixth channel if you if you played with the antennas just right and, and, and the stars aligned, you get it. So all of which to say that like television there, but one of the things about, about that era of television is during the day they would play reruns. Mom, just kidding. Uh, yeah, okay. Guess what? Right? So I got to watch some of the 60s shows. I got to watch the Jeffersons, the Beverly Hillbillies, and then I also got to watch Batman way back in the day. So that's when I got the guys when I got exposed to um, that version of Batman, right? Is because, you know, now like I I don't watch hardly any TV at all. Like, but back then I was again there was nothing else for me to do for most of the summer, so I ended up watching a lot of TV. So uh, I mean, don't don't get me wrong, I still like the Disney Afternoon and Power Rangers and Ninja Turtles from back in the day. That's what I grew up with mostly. But yeah, there was still a little bit of like reruns back in the day from when we didn't have a lot of cable well, and yeah it, you know when i grew up there were three there were four channels and there were three mm -hmm. network channels okay abc mm -hmm. cbs nbc and then there was channel 43 and channel i loved channel 43 because they played all the old movies and we had a, um, I'm from Ohio, so we had, um, you know, the host of all the horror movies was Gulardi. Okay. And Gulardi, I loved Gulardi. He was on late at night and I used to stay up and uh, I, I'd be downstairs in the basement. We had a TV down there and that's where I could watch the things that I wanted to watch. You know, my family yeah, yeah, was yeah, interested. Yeah, I, I did the same. I did the same thing. My and grandmother. I, these I, I mean, wonderful horror movies. You know, yeah. uh, with Gulardi, who I thought was hilarious. He ended up getting filed. There was a real scandal because he was making fun of this town called Parma, and it was so stupid. But anyhow. I, when Gilardi was on, I absolutely loved him and um, uh, loved the movies that he showed, and they scared the hell out of me. That's what I can say. <laughs> so I guess well, that was good. really my introduction to horror. <laughs> well, actually, so, Dark Shadows was my introduction to horror. So Dark Shadows was your introduction to horror, and then and then you, you fell down this rabbit hole of old school horror classics. That's right. I'm going to do my own. I'm going to do this myself. Yes, I did. And you did? I did. And then it, when I got um, my jobs on television, 
I was working for Dan Curtis for uh, two years, um, which was really fun. Dark, you know, Dan Curtis did Dark Shadows. He did The Night Stalker. He did um, a Trilogy of Terror, the one with the little doll, you know, that goes ee, 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 with his knife in the floor. Yes. Um, terrifying stuff. He worked with people like uh, uh, Bill Nolan. Bill Nolan was one of my mentors, along with uh, uh, Dennis Etchison. And they're both gone now. It's very sad. Um, but, you know, uh, Richard Matheson would, would come in to the office. Oh, wow. and I would sit in on this story meeting and I would I would be like, I'm sitting here with Richard Matheson and Dan, Dan Curtis and I'm taking notes and I know people who would pay to do Absolutely. this. And I, here I am getting paid to do this, you know. I but mean, I loved it. But but you were the right person for the job. Like, like, a lot, like I have a very, so again, I'm just doing this, doing the, this show as long as I've had. I've met lots of people that are really, really, have done really cool things. And what I realized, this is just something I realized, and I, and, and this is actually a compliment to you. Sometimes, the, sometimes, sometimes the world gives us really cool shit on the journey to what we do, right? Mm -hmm. it, it just gives us something really cool as part of this this podcast. Uh, as you can see, I've done a lot of these episodes, like like I've done a lot <laughs> of them, and um, but I've met so many people that have are done lots of incredible things, and I get this like little gift of being a part of it and part of it and the reason why i get this gift is because i enjoy what i do right and I, i'm changing it up a little bit because i i need to keep it fresh from my own sanity a little bit right but i still love doing talking and meeting people like yourself because you see the world you've done really 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 cool shit and you wanted to do this really really cool thing and no never take for granted what you've done it's amazing Right. You had this incredible career. So so because you wanted a certain thing, like much like all of us, we all have this vision of what this looks like. And I'm going to bet that the reality that played out was not what you fully envisioned. But that goes, there's two sides to that. The first side is, yeah, there would have been some really cool shit you would have liked to have done. But you got really cool shit you never expected and this falls into that category of right right and, and that's the thing like you get those and that's the stuff that really really counts right the things you never think you'd get the things that are just incredible moments nuggets little quote-unquote little things that's the shit that matters well yeah i mean i met dennis because i took a class from ucla from him mm -hmm. and that's yeah. where I met Bill as well and um, they talked me into going to a, a world fantasy convention yeah uh, so I did and I met this guy Mark Bilbo he he said um, he had read some of my short stories and he said you should be writing for television I'm thinking right you know Ohio girl you know no anyway he was a writer's assistant on a show called tour of duty and i was a contracts administrator for a software company and he called me up and he said um there's an opening for a writer's assistant which is basically the secretary you type the scripts and all of that yeah, yeah. Stuff. do you want to apply for it and i said yes um even though there's 
you know, I had a 401k, I had my own secretary, I had all that stuff. I, I did go and apply for it and, and I did take the job and I learned to write a script on tour of duty mm -hmm. and I sold my first script on the very next one uh, with uh, my writing partner, Dana Doyle, uh, which was The Trials of Rosie O'Neill. And that started our career off and it was it was just all by accident. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't I, I, know what's going to pay off. You know. I, I I accidentally got traditionally published. Like my very first, my very first I did a book of poetry that I accidentally got traditionally published. It was not the plan, it just happened. Oh, that's and so cool. um, yeah, right. I never planned it. That's the thing. Like sometimes people think like we have this vision of what our future looks like. We always have a vision. And doesn't always again i'm old enough slash wise enough to realize that it's never going to work out exactly how i envisioned it i only know that's necessarily a failure it's just you're putting your will i this is how i look at it you're putting your will out into the world and the world's taking that will and it's kind of shaping it now much like art the world isn't perfect mm. but but i think that's but I, here's what i think I think we are guilty of both simultaneously of wishing for the biggest things and settling for the smallest, right? And the world will say to us, the world will say to us, nah, -uh. I don't know if you're going to get you that. I don't know, but we won't get you, get you to just settle here either. We'll find you somewhere, something cool that's you. And that's what happens if you do this long enough is you, you end up doing things that are cool just for you. Yeah, and the, right? the, the other really cool thing that happened to me is um, I um, was on several panels with Sandy King Carpenter. Uh, she has uh, Storm, Storm King Comics, and she's also the wife of John Carpenter. And um, we just hit it off. I mean, we, yeah. we kind of just you know, had the same ideas about horror and stuff when we were on the panel. It was great. I just really liked her. And I mentioned to her one, one time, one convention we were at, that I had just written an uh, audio drama for Fe uh, Fever Dreams. That came out last June. Um, the podcast is called Fever Dreams. And uh, that I, it was horror. And she asked me, she's doing an audio drama uh, thing called uh, John Carpenter Presents. And she asked me if I wanted to write for it. And so I, it's a series. So a series of eight episodes um, is what she wanted from me. So I just handed in an outline to her. I'm waiting to hear back from her to see what she thinks. But um, she just pulled John Carpenter Presents from uh, one of the platforms. So she's looking for a new platform format, but she plans on using what I have as part of what she's pitching to the platform of what she has ready to go. Um, so that was really exciting and totally unexpected. And and I would love to do that. Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah. Well, as you say, right? Hi, you're right. You're, you're, you're writing for, you're writing stuff for John Carpenter or John Carpenter's wife. Yeah, sure. that's right. I'm in. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I'm in. It's like I'm in. I, I, I don't know where this is gonna go, but I'm in. And that's it. Like life's about like the ride you make, right? Um, so 
one so I'm gonna see if you're you're with me on this part. This this does tie together. I think Dr. Seuss is one of the three best graphic novelists of all time. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. Sometimes I will mention that to a comic person and they will actually stop and think about it. But I'm real I I I I dare you put a thought bubble on box and socks of where the person's speaking. It mm -hmm. actually works as a comic. It legitimately mm -hmm. does. Um <laughs> But I, I, I say it like this is is there, one of my favorite things, the places that are going, the people you will meet going there. There's there's some truth to that, right? There's some definite truth to that, in, in especially in entertainment, mm -hmm. right? It's it's about that willingness to go out there and put yourself out there and saying, here I am. Because what, again, a lot of, a lot of people that do this, what we do, are looking for connection. As much as we are trying to explain our place in the world and trying to figure it out, I think that's what a good artist ultimately does. Figures out our pace of the world and figures out that important thing they may say in that place. But I, I, I think I think the other part of it is we don't want to feel like we're alone out there. And, and even the people that are really, really successful, like there are moments where you question yourselves and go, am I the only one doing this? I, I think it's just a part of the human condition, right? So when you see people and you meet people that are doing really cool shit, you're like, I want to work with these people because 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 uh, this no star wants to shine in the sky alone right right so and that and that's the thing right so you see other people shine encourages you to do the same thing i think that's a wonderful 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 thing right and uh um that that's i mean that's what happens you go out there you meet the right people at the right places at the right time yeah right exactly. and so the next thing you know you right it, it, and the, I mean, what I would tell people listening to this or watching this, like one of the, I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned is to always be ready. Well, you know, I, I, what I've learned is I can't force it. Yep. You know, it has to happen, happen naturally. Um, you know, it's so hard to meet people and talk to people. Uh, most writers are introverts, you know. Even yes. though sometimes they might look like they're extroverts, um, that is taking as much energy as you can possibly muster. And uh, my my uh, husband and I call it being on because, you know, this last year we drove around the country. I don't know. We did 15 conventions or something all around the country. Yes. And it was about being on all the time it was exhausting oh no you you need that time to chart you need that time for yourself to charge but i mean it's it, it it's the irony of the world right but is it is but but the thing is is that you just have to make a, a connection you, you can't exactly force it you no. know you have to it has to come naturally and i can't tell you exactly how that is but if you go to conventions if you hang out in bars somebody might sit down next to you 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 know you guys just start talking about something you know uh and and you make that connection and you find out he's an editor you know or or something like that um well it, it's I, I go like this like i like i know that doing doing what i do Draws mm -hmm. people to me. Draws people sure. to me. Sure, sure they do. Right, right. The question then it becomes: Are they the right people? And then when you're in that position, it's like: Are you looking for the right people? And what a lot of times it comes down to is: Okay, 
me and you have just shot the shit for nearly an hour. Yes. Right. <laughs> right. 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 We just, we have, right. To the point that I would say that if I asked you to do this again down the road, you probably would say yes. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. I, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, right. Right. But it, again, I didn't force it. We didn't ask, I didn't ask you a ton of questions. All right, right. I, no, you didn't send me I questions just, beforehand to study. And no, I <laughs> know. No, and your party was like, oh, shit, what, does he know what he's doing? And it's like, well, mostly, right? Right, well, some, it's not right, right. But some people some people get really nervous about that sort of thing. And I'm like, man, we can stop, right? Right, I, there's a particular kind of person that this style doesn't necessarily appeal to, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not a knock to them at all. It's just that that's just not how they're wired. Um, but... By and large, most people just want to talk and connect and say, "Hey, you know what's up?" Yeah. And it, right, right, that 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 it, it's not like it, in one sense, it's not hard at all. But I think the thing is with writers and not just writers, artists in general, right? You want to be part of those kind of conversations, but a lot of times you're afraid to take that first step. It's like, what if I look foolish, right? And what I, again, what I've learned doing this show of all things, it's like, well, the worst that can happen is no. And, right? And really, what have I lost? Like, what have I lost if you say no? Nothing. Well, the other, the other thing that I have, you know, is that not everybody's going to like you. And you know what? That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, they're doing whatever their thing is, and you're doing your thing. And if they think you're foolish, so what? <laughs> well, I mean, so what? You, it's just, of course, you know, I'm to a point where I, I can't say I don't care. I do care. It will sting a little. But then I go, ah, so what? <laughs> Well, it's just there's wisdom, right? It's one. It's it's a wisdom thing, right? I I know in your 39 years of life that uh, <laughs> thank you. That, yes, that that um, you realize like the biggest mistake we make when we're young is we try to please everybody. That's not really the correct way to do it. The correct way is okay. What's going to make me doing this enjoy this, right? And the thing is. Once you take a stand, once you take a stand on something, this is how this works. You take a stand on anything in this life, right? There's going to be people that walk away from you. Yeah. There's going to be people that are drawn closer to you. That's just the way it is, right? And I, right, there are very few. I, I found this to my to my sadness is there are very few people that can openly disagree with you or openly right, right and state it on the path with you these uh, days. Yeah. Yeah, right, right. I and I, I've learned this. Like that's a sad thing. I actually like when people disagree with me with stuff because I'm not the only perspective in the universe. Right. Right. I, I'm not the only perspective. And as long as I you can understand where I'm coming from and I can understand where you're coming from, we don't have to agree at the end of the day. We just have to respect each other. That seems to be a lost art these days. Um, right. So what what I've accepted is okay. I'm going to be true to me because I can't pretend to be somebody I'm not. That's right. going to hurt. That's going to hurt me more than anything else I do. Right. So I'm going to be the best version of me I can. I'm going to let people make their own choices because I trust them and love them enough as human beings to go. You do you. I'm not going to be on my pulpit going, 
well, my path is more righteous than yours because my guy has a wig, right? I'm not going to do that, right? I'm going to be more like, I wish you well. Let's have a beer sometime. And hopefully you have the same, I, I hopefully you have the same philosophy. If you don't, yeah. that, that, right? If you don't, that's cool too. I'm not, again, at this point in my life, you can, like, like I am not worried about this. Is, this, is, this is an irony, ironically enough. I'm not worried about pleasing everybody anymore. Ironically, I'm getting bigger because I don't care as much, right? And it, it, I, and I, I wish I had realized this sooner, right? Well, I, not... I'm, I'm like, if I can stay in integrity, you know, yeah. um, I just don't want to step outside of my integrity. But you yeah. said something that I think is really important, and um, there's, you know, a song that says what the world needs now is love. Yeah. I don't believe that. I believe that what the world needs now is respect because you can not love somebody because of their belief systems, but you can respect the fact that they have the right to have those belief systems. I would go one step farther. One okay. step farther. I we have a tendency to put people in a box. It's okay, okay let, let's just let's just let's just say for the sake of argument, we're just gonna do an example here. You believe that the sky is blue. I say mm -hmm. the sky is beautiful. Okay. We'll just say that for the sake of for the sake of argument. Okay. And you can You're look at that sky. What in the world? <laughs> I know, I know. Exactly. Exactly. So, but here's the thing, and I I, I had this, I, I had this really epiphany about people in general. There is a reason people see things the way they do. And very often, more often than not, is not why we think it's the case. Most right. of us don't really go out, go out of our way to go, okay, why do they think this way? And this is true with politics, religion, whatever the case may be. We very rarely take the time to understand each other. Most of the time, we will, they will put people in a box and keep them there. Now, there are extremes on every and every spectrum. And I and I there are very few examples where an extreme in any spectrum is healthy, right? Very few. There's a few, but not many. But for the most part, we all have our reasons for going down the path we go down. So I would go so far as to say this: I going beyond respect. I think I think we do for if we want to have a variety of perspectives in our lives. We have to try to understand where the other person's coming from, even if at the end of the day we don't agree, right? Alpine, I, I, I get where you're, what you're saying. Yeah. I don't know that I agree. That's fair. Um, I, I can respect somebody without understanding where they're coming from, and I mean, like, uh, I'll, I'll just my sister. My sister and I have really different beliefs on some of what I think are the most important issues today. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. I don't really understand how she can believe what she, how, how we can come from the same family, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but I respect her right to have that belief system. And she respects the fact sure. that I have the, my belief system and we just avoid those those subjects because if we talk to each other trying to understand each other we're going to get into arguments and it's going to cause resentments and that sort of thing 
so we we don't. No, no, no. You know what? That's fair. I, I, uh, my, my only, the only thing I would say, I would, I would say there. The only thing I say is one of the things that doing this show in particular, like, has taught me. I have to detach from the what I detach. I try as to the best of my ability sometimes to detach my own emotions with my beliefs when I listen to other people. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's not an easy thing to do. It, like it really isn't because when you have, you have your own beliefs, you're going to, you're going to naturally like align with what you feel is correct. But it, it is, but it is possible to listen to somebody. And to, if you can take that attachment to that concept out Right. If you can do that, um, it, it, it becomes I'm not again, it's not about agreeing. Like this is what I'm, no, I'm, no, I'm, no. I'm I totally agree with you that there there yeah. are you, because you can have wonderful discourse with people and they might even yeah. change your mind. Yeah, yeah, but, exactly. But there are times when you just have to let it go. No, no, no. And I and, and, and there I'm with you too. Like there there yeah. there there I, I think there are there are we are we are all different. And the, the, the and I say this in like a good way. We all look at the world in a different point of view, and not everything. Look, I'm willing to make a bet. Ninety, we will agree on 90, 90 out of a hundred. Yeah. Right. <laughs> ninety out of a hundred. Now, the ten we disagree on, we might have reasons to disagree, on. and some things you and I will be like at in terms of our attachment to that, those ten things on a scale of one to ten, one being the least, ten being the most. We might be at a one, two, or three. Right. right. All right, and there are some things we're going to be closer to a seven, eight, nine. Hopefully not a ten, right? <laughs> hopefully not a ten, because I, I I find I, I again extremes in anything tend to be bad for everybody. Like that's mm-hmm. what I, I like. The one thing about this age I've learned is I'd rather a world of moderation than extremes. We don't have that world right now, but that's 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 a bigger discussion for another podcast. Um, what I will say is, what I will say is. Yeah, there are some things you know what you just know. I can't, I can't have this discussion without without this becoming something else. So I don't. So let's just not have that discussion. Right, 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 right. right? And that's and that is you know what that's fair. That is totally fair. And then there are other there are other things you know what. Okay, he thinks the world's future. I don't know what the fuck he's seeing, but you know what? Whatever, it's not hurting me. So right that and uh, right exactly. Right. I mean, my yeah. my uh, honestly, my husband and I see colors differently. Yeah, exactly. And we've gotten into arguments about no. it. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> well, no, no, it, it, it doesn't, right? But also at the same at the same time, it's how you both see the world, right? And once you understand that, like once you actually understand that, it is easier to detach. It's I, I think one of the hardest things from an ego standpoint to look at is the world is bigger than you. And what I mean by that is my perspective isn't the only perspective in the world. Right. And and, yeah. and, and I learned and, and, a long time ago that people don't see the way I see. Um and yeah. so you know yeah they just and I'll see differently. And I have a theory that everybody sees different from everybody else. Absolutely. You know, we kind of have agreed on what things, some things are that we see. Oh, yeah. But that doesn't mean we see them the same way. Um, so, you know, I, I might be holding yep. a glass here, but they're seeing a cup 
you know, and we just agreed to call it a glass, <laughs> whatever. Um, but anyway, yeah, so, no, but, no. you know, um, we've been over an hour. Yeah, I have. It's been fun. <laughs> before, before, before we wrap up, I just want to say this. I think the compromise to what we're both saying here, I completely agree with you. We should try to respect each other. More than anything else, we should try to respect That's each other. Respect. But, right? But I think also, if we're wise, right, at least with the things we are comfortable doing so, or even sometimes with things we're a little uncomfortable doing so, try to understand. I agree. Because, it, yeah, yeah, right, try. There might be some things you can't. You know what? And that, that's, like, honestly, nobody, nobody's perfect. There are just things we just are. That's just who we're gonna be, and that's fine too. What we have to accept, it, what we have to do, is but in the but in the process, we're never too old to grow, mm-hmm. ever. I agree with you. Yeah, there you go. That's the that's the wonderful happy medium there, right? But you are right. Sometimes you sometimes it is best to just walk away, right? Sometimes it's just best. Um, I, I I'm gonna ask one last question, and we can. And then we can wrap this bad boy up if that's what you feel like doing. Okay, we talked about your love of horror. What was it that got you into comics? You know, um, I had written this pilot for for television um, called Gates of Midnight. And um, my producer, unfortunately, died while shopping it around. And um, then it was at the time when... um, they picked up Grimm and it was close in tone uh, to Grimm. Yeah. Uh, so my agent of the time, Maggie Fields, suggested that I turn it into a graphic novel. And I was thinking, oh no, because when I was a kid, I used to love reading comics and then they became all like superhero comics and then that lost me, okay. Um, and so I, and I love the superhero movies. I don't want mail saying, oh, you hate superheroes. No, I absolutely love the, all of the Marvel movies and some of the DC movies. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I'll say most of the Marvel movies and some of the DC movies. I, yeah, I've actually, I'm, yeah. I'm actually marveled out a little bit, but that's, that's, that's. Yeah, I marveled out because we've been watching, you know, all of the, the, the series on, you know, whatever channels they're on anyway but anyway um so i i went to my local store uh alternate reality comics here in las vegas and um talked to ralph and he is so knowledgeable and i basically said to him i've been asked to write this graphic novel i haven't read comics into in years can you suggest some things and so he gave me saga that's a good one. He, he gave me Why Last Man Standing. Ah, that's also um, a really good one. Same writer. He gave me um, Lazarus. Some Solid time. one. Solid one. I, I fell in love. I was uh, like, oh my God, this is not the comics I was reading when I was a kid. Oh, La- La- Lazarus is a cool concept. I, I, I want him to finish. <laughs> I know, me too. I want me him to too. finish. But, he's but, he's but, making me crazy with all but, this but, side but, stuff he's doing. What? Well, okay, again, in all fairness to, to Mr. Rucka, if he's getting paid stupid piles of money to do the side stuff, I can't, again, 
as a professional, I can't blame him. As well, I'm reading. talking the side stuff for for uh, um, Lazarus. You know, yeah. he went way far away from the original story and started yeah. doing. I I, I I I I again from what I can from what I remember about Lazarus, it was going to be a series. A television series. Oh, at one point. I don't yeah, know that's so. right. We talked about that. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah so he might I, again, depending on what's going on there, might be why he's doing. He might be doing the world building material. Like, so I, I actually have a theory about this. You know, like, some of the way he did later was world building material for the um, actual television show. If when it shows up, he's got right. all this background. And it's that's good a, stuff. It's okay. I I, I I I I think the original story is better. That's I do too. My, um, more original. I I I, I think. I, well, it's also like I I. It's the original stuff's more character driven. That's yes. the, right, and I think that's um, that's the that's the thing. I I think I think from a, I I get the plot, but I I I think I think sometimes Rucka gets mislabeled as a character writer. He's actually a plot writer with some good characters. That he's really comfortable doing. That's my that's my opinion of him. Well, we are- you know, um, this discussion right here is what got me back into comics. Yeah, because it was storytelling. It yeah. was amazing. It was fun. It was interesting, and I was like, okay, I want to do this. Okay. And so, I took a year. I took seminars. I read all the books. You know. I studied scripts, you know, I, the scripts I was able to get my hands on. And then I wrote my my um, Gates of Midnight. And uh, thank goodness for Amelia that she was, you know, um, um, so accomplished at that time because um, I made a lot of mistakes. And, then I, you know, I, I made the mistakes and I would look at the art and I could see that I made a mistake, you know, in the pacing in not having panels large enough for the inciting incident, you know, I mean, yeah. you know, you have to, that moment, you have to take that moment and um, had to have her redraw them and things like that. She was just a consummate professional and helped me out a lot. Um, and I learned by doing, you know, by writing them. And then I went to conventions and there were no women on the panels and uh, Maggie wanted to do a production company with, I mean, a publishing company with me. Uh, and I said, I'd do it if we used all women because I wanted women up on the panels. And there are now, there's lots of women on the panels, thank goodness. But um, usually there's still anyway. But um, that's how I started Chimera Press was with, uh, because I wanted to do realistic looking women no tits and ass okay i i wanted realistic looking men i wanted diversity you know i didn't want to do superhero stuff so um and i love superhero stuff once again i just didn't want to do i didn't want to compete in that arena there's no way i could compete in that well, like, 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 like i said we all and and honestly just 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 anyone listening to this we all have our flavors of ice cream that's right. that's right that's right 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 <laughs> right superheroes are essentially vanilla and chocolate we've accepted that in, in comics at least they're vanilla and chocolate but there's all the other ones right 
as long as she isn't one of those tiger stripe ice cream things, we're good. Where it's all good, right? So, but I mean, yeah. So, so that's how I, I got into comics. That's how I started at Chimera Press. I, my lung condition, my lung disease, was caused by a toxic chemical in the butter flavoring of microwave popcorn, ah. and it's called diacetyl. And when you make butter microwave popcorn. And you know, you open up the bag and it smells so good. Well, that chemical has become airborne and it gets into your lungs. Um, the workers in the popcorn factories and the flavoring factories now have to wear full environmental suits when they're working with it because there were so many lawsuits um, from the workers. They say that it doesn't affect consumers, but it did, it does. It, it does. And I was in production um, there was a lot of microwave popcorn around. It was free, you know. Um, anyway, I got money, <laughs> and that's how I started Chimera Press. That's how I paid for for it. Now I have to pay with Kickstarter. That money has run out, but <laughs> but but that's okay. I mean, I, I like I would like again. We we're not going to stay too much longer because we, we we've definitely gone over the hour, and you're being very gracious and stuff, but. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to go see The Exorcist after this. <laughs> okay, so I, I'll let you both. So the only thing I will say is, I, this is you've been, how long has Chimera, I'm going to ask real quickly, how long has Chimera Press been around? Since 2015. Okay. So since that time, actually, you've watched, I, I think this is just my opinion. We're in the midst of another comics revolution. Mm -hmm. and, and, and the thing, I think what's really interesting about this one is the big two aren't really part of it. I think you're right. You're right. They're not. I, I think I think what's happened. So traditional publishing in the book industry has become very corporate. It's nothing wrong. Like, again, I'm not gonna look good. This isn't about damning any particular group. It's just this is where things have gone. So there is a very specific flavor of ice cream that traditional publishing in books do. Same with comics. There's a very specific flavor of ice cream by and large, there's some exceptions. There's Boom, there's Image, Dark Horse dabbles with this a little bit. There's a couple other companies I could name, but what it comes right down to is a lot, of, like a lot of spots in this pie, they've all like clustered in this one spot. And what's happened is there's a lot of readers in a lot of places that aren't being served. And I think what's happened with Kickstarter, who I think not so secretly might be the biggest publisher of comics in the world right now, right? has created these windows where people can reach their readers mm -hmm. in a way that I, I think, like, I, I'm going to be very curious where DC and Marvel are at literally inside of um, in the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. Because a good chunk of my money goes to Kickstarter now, right? I don't buy what I used to buy at the comic shop. And it's not a knock to the... It's I not do not, Right? I that either either I get them um, through trades with other indies at at conventions. We do a lot of trading, yeah, for for comics and stuff, or Kickstarter. You know, yeah. I get them from Kickstarter. So yeah. yeah, yeah, like like that's that's where that's where the really good stories are. I I can think of a lot of great creative people that are. I mean, there are people that absolutely kill it on Kickstarter, but even just establishing their audience. 
you can use yeah lori foster who i was talking about before yeah. she kills it she has a kickstarter on right now that has just is just going gangbusters i'm, I'm so happy for her yeah exactly and that's and that's a very big part of the that's a big part of the um uh uh like i think it's part of things like Comics are no longer, um, it's almost back to the old days, like the old, old, old days, back when EC Comics was kicking ass and taking names, that you had this diverse, you you have so many diverse books out there that the the age, again, there's always going to be Batman. I blame Batman, though. I'm going to always blame him. But there's always going to be a Batman. There's always going to be an X-Men. There's always going to be a Spider-Man. But I don't know if there's going to be like I I can see a world where when my nostalgia fades with all this other stuff like like I, I'm collecting Darkwing Duck and gargoyles right now for for Duck. yeah <laughs> but then nostalgia comes and goes when that nostalgia fades I'm going to be focusing back on again Kickstarter right because mm-hmm. that's where the good books are. Well, we're going to Chimera Press is going to be having a Kickstarter probably in February, so we can finish off our Dragon series. So nice, and and uh, so you know, take a look for us. Oh, hey, hey, hey. we can talk. I mean, okay, (laughs) we we can talk. We can talk. So that all said, I think I think we have an interview here. What do you think? I think so. So thank you so much, and happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Before I disappear, before I disappear, you should plug something. Like, like obviously, you should plug something, like either a book that's out recently or, or, or your press or your show. What do, you want to, what do you want to plug to wrap this up? Okay. I will plug a couple of things. Sure. Okay. I have a story in um, this book, Castle Horror, Y.A., Okay, that's a young adult uh, story. Um, wonderful writers in here. Most of us are, um, you know, do media tie-in. Media tie-in is like the Dark Shadows um, audio dramas I did, or the Night Stalker, or people who do the novelizations of um, video games or movies. Um, and this is another one by. It's called Double Trouble. And I love the story in this one. I took, um, because it's a matchup between two different characters, I took two, the very first female superheroes that came out in the 40s and put them in, I modernized them and put them in a modern day setting in Africa. So um, I love that. So it's called Double Double Trouble and they're both uh, available on Amazon. Okay. And please check me out at chimerapress.com. And that's K-Y-M-E-R-A press.com. All right, folks. Trained professional, see? Yes. <laughs> Trained professional. I almost know what I'm doing. Don't tell anybody. Right. <laughs> Is that how people can find you? Um, that's yeah, and um, they can they can uh, email me at um, D Lynn Smith D L Y N N Smith 
at chimerapress.com at da, 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 dee, dee, dee. there you go <laughs> there you go all right that's it, that's it yes I, I, all right, folks. We got one more conversation next week. No, tomorrow. Um, Madeline H- R- Holly Rosings, uh husband has a really, really, really cool job. And uh, oh yeah, he does. And, and he does. But also, I mean, and sweet dude, sweet dude. And we were supposed to have this conversation two weeks ago. I both of us kind of messed up because I was like. Are we going to chat on Zoom? And I never heard back from him. <laughs> so it was just like, I assumed like he just didn't want to do it. And then it's like the day comes. Uh, are we supposed to do it? I never heard you confirm Zoom or anything like that. So I didn't, I, I just assumed he didn't want. So we're doing it again tomorrow. Um, and li- long story short, I, I, as as Debbie will tell you, I am certainly not perfect, but I do my best. And anyways, <laughs> um, but for everybody watching, listen, if you want to support, like I, I'm still doing travel show. I'm going to be doing Twitch streaming a little longer than planned, although not as many because I'm, I'm at that point where I'm focusing on turning this to a travel show. And that's and but if you want to support the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash just Joshua podcast. Five bucks a month gets you some really cool episodes. I'm going to actually have a new one up tonight um, because now that my, I'm up on my birthday, that's that's what we're doing. So I'll do it, folks, for today. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. For everybody watching, everybody listening, thank you. Stay inspired. Keep shining in the dark. And I'll see you guys next time. Bye. Healing Hands airs every Monday on channel Healing Hands YYC, hosted by Chanel Bostic. Healing Hands is a massage therapy education show in which Chanel shows you exactly some massage techniques, how to heal, and the basics of getting started. Check it out every Monday at Healing Hands YYC. Click on the link below to subscribe. Josh. Josh.